Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of all of our hearts always be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer, our savior. Amen. It was a routine. A routine in their life. Here's how it would happen all the time. He would do something and she would get upset. And then he would try to explain himself and she would get more upset at his explanation. Now, before, before you go and you try to guess who I'm talking about, let me tell you, because it's not who you expect. The he is Jesus. And the she, and I know it doesn't match up quite right at all, but the she is the Jewish leaders. It was a routine. It happened all the time. Jesus did something, they got upset. He explained himself, they got even more upset. It's what happened in John chapter 5. And we didn't read this section today, but here's what happened. There was a guy who, for 38 years, had been lying by a pool in Jerusalem called the Pool of Bethesda. And he was an invalid. He couldn't get around, he couldn't walk for 38 years, but no more. Because one day, his muscles and his tendons and his ligaments and his bones and everything else in his body, they all listened to Jesus when Jesus told them, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. And this is where it started getting bad because Jesus did that, oh no, he did it on the Sabbath day, the day of rest. And so the Jewish leaders, when they saw this guy carrying his mat home, like they didn't even comment on the fact that he was walking, which was the greatest thing. They just reprimanded him for carrying his mat on the Sabbath. They said, how dare you? The Sabbath law says you can't do that. And they were right. And they were also wrong. Because their Sabbath laws, the ones they made up, yeah, it, it said you couldn't carry your mat on the Sabbath day. But God's Sabbath law, it did not say that at all. God's Sabbath law, he said, don't do any work on Saturday, on the Sabbath, for the Old Testament people. He was talking about work that you do as part of your livelihood um, to, 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 to get gain for yourself. Take a rest from that. He wasn't talking at all about picking up your mat and carrying it home. But when the Jewish leaders reprimanded this guy, as an explanation, he said, well, uh, the guy who healed me, he told me to pick up my mat and go home. And it's like he was saying, if a guy has the power to heal me after 38 years, I'm, I'm going to listen to what he says. And I could, I could be a broken record, and I, I feel like I say this just about every week, but this is the point of the whole book of John. John says, I wrote down these signs, these things Jesus did and these things Jesus said, I wrote them down so that you would believe every word that he says and believe in him as your Savior who took away your sins and as your Lord who is the master over your entire life. It's what the whole book is about, and that's what John 5 is about too. And so now we're getting to the point where Jesus gives the explanation for the thing that he did. Here's what happened. And Jesus, he gets really deep here. Listen to these words from John 5. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, so he's explaining now, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. 
Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer then. He said, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these. So that you, and he's talking to people who didn't love him or believe in him, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life right now and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And I'm not going to talk about this a lot. There he's talking about spiritual life. People go, their souls go from not believing in Jesus as their Savior to believing in Jesus as their Savior. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. He's still talking to the Jewish leaders and he says, Do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. This is God's word. Now, very quick summary. The Jewish leaders persecuted Jesus because of what he did. And then he answered them and explained, and then they got even more mad. And here's why. Because to sum up everything Jesus said, he was saying, I'm God, so I'm right. And you're wrong. And they didn't like that. Who would? He was saying, you revere, you honor the Father. You should also honor me in the same way that you honor the Father. And here's why. Because my Father is at work on the Sabbath day, so am I. My Father, he doesn't stop preserving the world and providing for the people of the world. He doesn't take a day off per week of doing that, so neither do I. Now you might say, but wait a minute, Pastor Nathan, what about verse 19? When Jesus said, I can only do what my Father says, doesn't, doesn't that make it sound like Jesus is saying that he is a little less at least a little less than the Father? Here's what verse 19 says. Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And you say, doesn't that mean he's less than the Father? No. Because here's what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, he's not saying I can't do certain things. He's saying, my will and the Father's will, my heart and my Father's heart, we have the same will and the same heart. And so whatever he does, I got to do that too. I can't do anything that the Father is not doing. Like, if he's providing for the people of the world, I can't 
not do that. If he's healing people on the Sabbath day, I can't not do that. I can't not do anything that, that he does because we're the same. We're equal. I'm doing everything that he does because how could I not? How could I not do that? That's what Jesus is saying. And then he concludes it by saying, oh, wait, there's even more. And for all of you, this is what I want you to take home today, most of all, that Jesus says this. He says, the Father entrusts all judgment to me. What does he mean by judgment? Well, in verse 23, Jesus says the result of judgment is this. This judgment he's talking about. The result is that all, all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And back in verse 20, he said, and he's saying to the Jewish leaders, remember, who would never believe in him their whole lives. He says in verse 20 that when those Jewish leaders see even greater works than these, that they themselves would be amazed. Now, what kind of judgment is he talking about? Because their whole lives, they never honored Jesus like they honored the Father. And they were never amazed at Jesus his whole life long, no matter what he did, even his greatest miracle of rising from the dead. They still weren't amazed at what Jesus did. And so it has to be. There's no other explanation that Jesus is talking about what is known as Judgment Day, the end of time. And all he, he is the one who does all judgment on that day. He says, whoever believes in me as their Savior, I'll judge them as being perfectly worthy, citizens of heaven, forever and ever. And those who refuse to believe in me, those who reject, or in other words, those who do evil, because the greatest evil is not believing in Jesus, Jesus says, I will judge them as not being worthy of eternal life. Instead, they'll be eternally separated. But he said, either way, on that last day, whether you believed in me during your life or not, Jewish leaders, you will be amazed and you will honor me as you honor the Father because on Judgment Day, every single person who has ever lived will know that Jesus is the truth and has always spoken the truth and that he is exactly who he says he is. Now, the very important question is, where does that leave you and me? Jesus being the judge. And the answer is, it leaves you in the best place you could possibly be. It leaves you as confident in the face of all judgment. Even when, I'll speak personally, I'll, I'll say I, even when I fail to believe in Jesus. And I don't mean like I stop being a Christian, but I fail to take notice of him. I lose sight of him. I forget for moments here and there, day in and day out, when I wake up or when something happens, I forget that Jesus is not just my Savior, but he is my Lord and he is in control of everything. When I fail to believe in Jesus, even then I can be confident in the face of judgment. Or, or even when, like Jesus said at the end, he wasn't concerned about pleasing himself. He was just concerned about pleasing the Father. But I don't always do that. Sometimes I'm more concerned with living life to please myself or to please you all or to please society or other people. And I forget that the goal of life, it doesn't matter pleasing other people. It only matters pleasing God. But even when I forget that and I don't do that, 
Or, or even when, I'm thinking back to last week and casting out the nets, even when I'm confident in my own fishing and I think my efforts are all that and I'm confident in myself instead of in the God who puts the fish in my net for my whole life, even in all those times, I and you can be confident because your judge is Jesus. Your judge is Jesus, the one who, who came down to this world and he said as he died, it is finished. The work of taking away all your sins, the ones you do over and over and the ones that I do every day, they're all gone. Jesus is your judge. And so there's no fear about being judged as unworthy of God forever because as we've proclaimed again and again this morning, all is forgiven. God's greatest work was declaring you perfect because Jesus took away all your sins. And let me tell you, when your eternity, when your eternity is secure, then life, life is so, so, so good. Because when you're confident in the face of eternity because Jesus is your judge, every little joy in your life, it gets amplified. Because every single little thing that makes you smile or that brings joy and levity to your heart, it's just a little glimpse into an eternity of that. And every time you have a hardship, you face it not with emptiness in you, but you face it with an undercurrent of joy because you're confident in the face of eternal judgment because that never gets taken away. You can't change what God has done. So I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid or nervous about anything in my life, about something that happens in the country. I don't have to be afraid um, of whether or not we end up staying in this building and we get it, or whether or not we end up in another building, or whether or not we don't end up in any building at all and we're kind of like a roaming church who rents from Sunday to Sunday in a different place every week. That's not going to happen. But if it did, you wouldn't need to be afraid, and neither do I. I don't have to be afraid or nervous or concerned with how my work as a pastor goes. You don't have to be concerned with how your work is going. You don't have to be worried about the trajectory of your life when your eternity is secure. I'm not saying it's always going to be easy or everything is just going to go perfectly, but you don't have to be concerned about it because every little thing that happens, no matter how good or how bad, is in the words of my four-year-old daughter, a teensy tiny blip in the grand scheme of eternity. It'd be like you have the worst minute you've ever had, but then the other 23 hours and 59 minutes of the day are absolutely perfect. Except our whole lives here are way less than a minute in the grand scheme of 24 hours. Or I'm thinking back to last week, Trevor Lawrence, the guy who's going to get drafted number one this week in the NFL draft, who's going to sign a contract worth tens of millions of dollars. And he says, I don't need football. I could win eight Super Bowls. I could play for 16 years, or I could blow out my Achilles and never play another game. I'm good. That's the type of attitude you can have when your eternity is secure and you're confident because Jesus is your judge. And there I was, Tuesday, traipsing through the woods of Ann Springs Greenway, 
and this probably sounds really weird to almost all of you, as I was running, I just broke out in a huge grin because I was thinking about this. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing the beauty around me and I'm thinking, wow, if this is this amazing, how great is it going to be when I'm with Jesus in heaven? But then it hit me. What if I lost this? What if Wednesday I broke my leg? Or I lost my leg? Or I had pain just all the time? And I couldn't, I couldn't go enjoy the woods? What if, what if something else happened? What if I lost my job? What if, God forbid, my wife died? And I'm not blind to the fact that almost all of you, and I'm sure actually all of you, have had something similar or that exact thing or those exact things happen to you. And I wrestled with it. While I was out there, right after I broke into a huge grin on the trail, because I thought, if all that happened, would being confident for eternity, would that still be enough? Or would I just be completely empty? And I thought about it. And yes, I talked with my wife, Becky, about it before I was going to say this. Even, even if she died or our children died, would, would I be sad, heartbroken, more than I can possibly imagine? I'm certain of it. But I'd be good. Because as much as I love them and as wonderful as they are, they're not what makes me confident forever and ever. They're not what fills my heart. They're not, like we saying, where I find my rest. Your heart, no matter how much you have in this life, will be restless until it rests in God because he's the, he's the only thing, the only person that's never, ever going to go away. When you're confident in your eternity because your judge is Jesus, you can say with a healthy detachment, that doesn't matter about everything. But this is important to make this distinction. It doesn't mean you don't care. But you can say it doesn't matter. Something happens. It's not that you don't care about it, but it doesn't affect you. It doesn't control you in the same way because what, what affects you is the fact that you know that after you die, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to be amazed because Jesus is going to appear with holes in his hands and his feet saying, hey, you've lived a blip of your eternal existence. Come home. I've got a place all prepared for you. That's what affects you. That's what controls you. And so you can be in a healthy way detached from every single thing in this life where it doesn't control or affect you because you are confident about your eternity. But that doesn't mean you don't care. No, you care deeply. And love and thankfulness just flows out of you to everyone in every direction. Because you're not filled up by them. You can just give to them. You're filled up by God, whose cup will never run out. He will never leave you unfull. You're so full of the love of Jesus that it just oozes out of you to everyone you come into contact with. You're so full of the light of Jesus' love, we're going to sing about this at the end, that his light 
it can't help but burst forth from you when you believe and you're confident that Jesus is your judge and so you're confident in your eternity. When you rest in the fact that Jesus is your judge, your whole life can just be a paraphrase of what Jesus said. You can say, very truly, I tell you, world, I can do nothing by myself. I can only do what I see my Jesus doing. Because whatever Jesus, my judge, does, my Jesus, the one who has released me from all sins and made my eternity secure, whatever he does, I can't not do that. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. Meditating earlier in the week and I'm grinning while running and I'm just full of joy. Well, yesterday morning, woke up with a tight chest, anxious about a number of different things. And this isn't, this isn't a, a snap your fingers solution. But when that's you, remember, your judge and everything else doesn't matter. Your judge is Jesus. Amen.